0: good morning. It's uh, good to be back with you after uh, being gone. For about a week and a half, my wife and I were on a vacation slash couples retreat, but the location of this little retreat was Scotland. And so we really had a a nice time while we were there. Although I have to confess that every time I go, it's just a learning curve to remember how to drive over there, because they drive from my perspective on the wrong side of the street. And in addition to that, they drive on the wrong side of the car, steering wheel is over here. And then to make it even more complicated, I was driving a standard, which is not what I normally would have chosen, and I was using my left hand with that, and then going through all these roundabouts. And um, we ended up, due to some flight issues, having to drive from London all the way up to the northern part of Scotland with that and all those roundabouts and everything else. But. It was a wonderful time. And I took a few pictures that I wanted to show you. I'm not going to give you a bunch of them, but here's one. Uh, All these are just taken with my phone, but we went for hikes up in the mountains like this. Really, the whole country kind of looks like this on the northern part. second picture was taken of the ruins of a castle that's right on Loch Ness. Now, I have to admit, I was very disappointed I did not see Nessie in the water there. I looked for her, but she was not there, so that was a little disappointing. Next uh, picture is of Eileen Donan Castle, which is one of the most famous castles in Scotland, and also one of the best preserved. This next one is a picture of what's called Kilt Rock. The picture doesn't capture it well because I wanted to get in the waterfall, but if you're standing there, it actually looks like a Scottish kilt on both sides all the way around. It's really a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, and these cliffs are located in um, the Isle of Sky, And here's another picture just from the Isle of Sky. And then I took a picture from the restaurant parking lot where we spent most of our time in this little town called Applecross, which is really nice. But the sun was kind of popping through in various places and it looked beautiful. And then I added one picture from a different trip. But it's my favorite trip of our picture of all, where I was just taken this picture, and it's like the heavens opened up, and it was just absolutely beautiful. So it's, it's great to be back, though I, I really do enjoy the trip, but I also enjoy coming back. And today we're going to continue our series that we've been doing called Finding Purpose. First week of the series, we talked about finding purpose in life, that God created us with a purpose in mind. And we need to discover what that purpose is. And then we talked about finding purpose through pain and suffering. This is one of the encouraging things for us as Christians. Uh, Our pain and suffering is not wasted, and God has a purpose behind it all. And as Christians, we can celebrate that. We have faith that that's true. And then last week, uh, Josh talked about some of the purposes that God had in mind when he created the family. But today, I want to focus on the purpose behind what Jesus called The church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And my takeaway today is this that we need the church and the church needs us. It's not optional. I think that's what we think. Well, it's kind of an optional thing. No, not by God's design. We need the church and the church needs us. The writer of Hebrews put it this way in Hebrews 10 24 and 25. He said, Let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I believe that as we get closer to the day of Christ's return, that we're gonna see the value of the church in a greater way. We're gonna need one another in those days. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, in the last days, difficult times are gonna come and this is where these relationships are really, really gonna matter. But I realize we live in a culture right now where the church is just not important to most people. I mean, most people do not view the church as something that's even relevant. As our culture has become more and more secular, people are kind of getting on with their lives and they're leaving the church behind. And it has not helped that there have been so many high-profile scandals that have taken place with leaders of these big churches, you discover that there's a lot of unholiness behind that holy presentation behind the pulpit. And I could see why people would say, well, the church is just filled with hypocrites. If the church is not different from the society in which it's serving, it is irrelevant. As I was forbearing this, I was reminded of a One of the earlier times I went to Scotland and my wife and I were staying in a little town called Elgol. If you ever get to Scotland and you're able to spend some time there, Elgol is wonderful. It's like a postcard, beautiful lake and mountains and everything else. We were staying in this place and one day there was a knock on the door and I opened the door and there was an elderly Englishman standing there and he said, I'm on holiday, which is what they call a vacation. And he said, I can't get my internet to work would you help me? And so I said, sure. Um, Our house was owned by the same person that owned the place where they were staying, and I'd fixed it. So we went next door, and I began to solve the problem, and everything was fine. And then we were talking. But suddenly in the background, we both heard a TV story, a news story about a minister in Great Britain who had embezzled the church and as soon as that story came on, this guy launched into a tirade against ministers and priests, preachers and all of them. He said every single one of them is corrupt. They're all in it for the money, which I was thinking, what money are you referring to? <laughs> and he just went on and on about how horrible they are. And I had to agree with him a little bit to say, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of corruption out there. But I said, I... I I personally do know some ministers (laughs) who are very sincere in their love for God and other people. And I did not have the heart to tell them that um, you're you're talking to one. Although, I imagine the expression on his face would have been absolutely priceless. Would have been priceless. But I get it. I understand why people are skeptical of the church and when we see the things that are happening around here. And yet... I am convinced that we need the church, and the church desperately needs us. Jesus, of course, is the one who founded the church. And maybe the starting point is to understand what the church is and isn't. The church, at least biblically, is not a building. I I realize if you go to Webster's Dictionary, one of the definitions will likely say that it's a building, and, and you pass by a church, you say, oh, there's a church. And, and a lot of people have the idea that a, a church is what happens on Sunday morning, kind of a meeting, and so someone will say, I'm going to church. Those are legitimate definitions of church, but biblically that's not the definition Jesus used. When Jesus talked about the church, he was talking about a called-out group of people set apart for God. But a lot of people, again, they just view a church as a place you go when you have certain things in your life happening. Adrian Rogers, for example, who was a prominent minister, used to say, people go to church three times in their lives, when they're born, when they're married, and when they die. In other words, he said, when they're hatched, matched, and dispatched. And then he said, the first time they throw water, the second time they throw rice, and the third time they throw dirt. <laughs> it's like, well, that, that is the perspective a lot of people have. But God has a different perspective. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become part of Jesus' ekklesia called-out group. And, and God's view of the church is so different than the world's view of it or even your own view of it, I think. God has just a, a different view of you and me and those that are part of his called out ones. Peter described what God thinks of the church in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He said, but you are a chosen race or people, a royal priesthood. In other words, God sees it as king priests. We're a holy nation. Holy just means set apart. We're a people for his own possession, so that we may proclaim the praises, or this could be translated, the mighty deeds of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is how God views us. You're someone for whom Christ died, you're part of his people. But today, I want to focus on why it is important that we connect ourselves properly with this thing called the church or the ecclesia, the called out ones. Why does it matter? And again, my takeaway today is that we need the church and the church needs us. But I'd like to give you five reasons why. And they all come from one of the main sections in the New Testament that describes what the church is supposed to be about. I mean, when you read these verses, you say, oh, that's what it's supposed to be about. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. And this section is Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. We're going to be reading Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, where we read, and he, referring to Jesus, personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints. Now, this is not talking about dead people when it says the training of the saints. This is talking about Christians. The word saint just means set apart ones. And so these leaders have been given to us by Jesus for the training of the saints, the training of you and me in the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son "'Growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. "'Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves "'and blown around by every wind of teaching, "'by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. "'But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way "'into him who is the head Christ. "'From him, from Jesus, the whole body fitted and knit together "'by every supporting ligament,' promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So what do we learn from these verses about what the church is about, why we need the church, why the church needs us? Number one, we need to be trained for effective ministry. In other words, when we are trained, or some of your versions translate this, when we are equipped... We're gonna be more effective in serving our God and in serving other people. We need to be built into. Deposits, spiritual deposits need to be made into our lives, allowing us to grow to be much more effective. And so this begins by saying that Jesus Christ, he, and by the way, in the Greek language in which this is written, it's very emphatic. He himself personally gave gifted leaders and gifted people to the church to equip the church for ministry. In a very real sense, all of us are called to be ministers, not just ministers. All of us are called to do ministry, to be equipped for ministry. Dr. Honer notes about this that this word training or equipping, that the leaders are supposed to be providing, this training or equipping, is a word that was used elsewhere in the Bible for mending or repairing fish nets. It's the same word, equipping or training. And so you have a nice word picture here because what it's describing, you can imagine if you're a fisherman and you're going out fishing, but before you throw the nets into the water to catch the fish, you examine the nets and you make sure that there are no holes. You make sure everything is strengthened and tightened and everything else so that when you put that net in the water, it can, it can serve the fun, function for which it was intended. And this is describing how leaders need to be doing that, help strengthening and identifying things that need to be fixed so that we can be more effective. Another scholar by the name of Vincent adds that in the classical Greek, the same word was used for refitting a ship or setting a bone. And so it's the responsibility of leaders and other gifted people in the church to identify what's broken, what's not working properly, and then to mend that so that the arm or whatever can serve the purpose for which it was intended to be more effective and that's part of what the church is about. Being properly connected to one another, being properly equipped so that we're better at ministry both to Christ and his people. But there's a second reason why we need the church. We need others to help us grow spiritually. Over the years I've heard a lot of people that have said something to the effect, well I don't need to go to church, if I could use it in that sense in order to meet with God you know I can go to the woods you know and I I go to the woods and I meet with God and that's where church is you know it's just me and God of course they're missing the fact that church is people and I understand what they're saying because I and when I go to the woods or I go to the mountains or when I was in Scotland as we were walking around I was praying I was just praising God for everything I was seeing you know And and we can indeed grow spiritually just with our personal encounter with God. But this is not how God designed it to be. God designed it specifically so that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He places us within a church family. I don't mean a local family like this, but when you put your faith in Christ, you become part of the family of God. Suddenly, you have brothers and sisters spiritually, you have spiritual mothers and fathers that are part of your life because God designed it so that you would not grow up in a vacuum, but that you would grow with the support of all these other people in your life. Now, this is very similar to what Josh was talking about last week when he talked about the family. And God has designed the family, a physical family, so that when a baby's born, it's not just plopped down there and said, you know, do the best you can there. Go get your own food. A baby's born within the context of a loving union. God's design, anyway, was that, and that this child would be raised and mature and, and grow up and have its needs met within the context of a, a physical family. The th- same thing is true Spiritually. God has created a spiritual family where he says, this is where you're supposed to grow. As Americans, I think we focus on our own individual spiritual development, but I'm just saying in the New Testament, it was never intended to be that primarily. You can grow personally, but we need other people to help us do it. And in Ephesians, the verses we just read, Paul mentions three ways in particular that we should grow, three areas in which we should grow. In Ephesians 4. Number one, he said we need to grow together in faith or in the faith. Second, he said we need to grow in knowing Jesus, you know, growing more intimate in our relationship with Christ. And then third, he talked about just growing up becoming spiritually mature. All three of these happen within the context of the church. Let's read the verses again, 11 through 13. He personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints, again, that's us, in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. In other words, to cause it to grow in three areas. He says it should grow until... We all reach, number one, unity in the faith. Number two, we grow in the knowledge of God's son. And number three, that we grow into a mature man or woman with a stature measured by Christ himself, that we continue growing until we are like Jesus. Dr. Honer makes the observation that the phrase until we reach these three things is used elsewhere in the book of Acts to describe some travelers who arrived at their destination. And so you recognize that as Christians, we're to be arriving at a particular destination. And what is that destination? Together we grow strong in faith. Together we learn more about Jesus. Together we grow up to spiritual maturity. And God designed the church for that purpose. But there's a third reason why we need the church, and the church needs us, and that is that we need to be protected from doctrinal error. error. There are a lot of false ideas philosophies being taught by people inside and outside the religious community they're just all kinds of false things out there In Ephesians 4.14, Paul said, then we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves, blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. He's describing the fact that there were people in his day that he called false teachers that were skillful in putting together a construct, techniques, that would lead people astray and it was causing people to really go back and forth in terms of their beliefs and confusing people left and right. This happens, of course, in our world today. I won't, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands about this, but I have a feeling almost every hand would go up if I asked this question. Do any of you know somebody that believes something that's ridiculous? That they found online? Maybe something related to some election or the pandemic, or something that they. Fun- Do any of you know somebody that believes something? And when you find out that they believe that, you say, "What?" Did-? I mean, in your mind, you don't say it to them. You say, "What's wrong with you? Well, how could you? How could you possibly believe that?" People get led astray by lots of things. In Paul's day, there were false teachers teaching things like, well, Jesus wasn't a man, or Jesus wasn't really God, or there were false teachers that were saying things like, in order to get right with God, you've got to follow the entire Old Testament law, starting with circumcision. Or there were people that were saying things like, sexual sin is not sin, that it's okay for you to be sexually active with someone with whom you're not married. People would be teaching things like this, and they were leaders, and they were trying to get people to follow themselves so that they would be enriched. You know, you get these teachers that are getting followers after themselves. But it really matters what we believe about things. Paul talked about people that were disconnected from the body and therefore suffered, he called shipwreck, in relation to their faith. They got separated from the faith community, and then they suffered, he called shipwreck, shipwreck kind of set to the sidelines. The faith no longer seemed relevant in their lives anymore. And this, this can happen. The church is one protection against this. Because if you're properly connected with other believers, then you have someone to whom you can go and begin to talk about some of these things. And you'll have people in your life that'll say, that's not right, that's not right. I got a call not too long ago from somebody who had some questions for me about some teaching that she had been exposed to. She was either taking a course online or listening to some, uh, an online preacher. I think it was several. And she had enough discernment to realize it did, just didn't seem like it quite added up, but she couldn't exactly put her finger on what was wrong about some aspects of it. Some of it she arrived at her own conclusion, but she wanted my opinion about it. And I began to ask her, you know, what are some of the things that that they teach? And these teachers were pulling verses just out of, completely out of context and having the verses say exactly what they wanted the verses to say. And they were, were indeed accumulating followers after themselves asking for your money eventually when we're properly connected with other believers, you know, if you're part of a community group or whatever, there are other people that when you're wrestling with this, like I heard this or this teacher said this or I read this online and you bring it to your group and there'll be people in your group that have the spiritual maturity to say, no, that's not right for this reason. Not just a different opinion. We need people in our lives that know the word of God enough to apply it to the situation. But there's a fourth reason why we need the church. In addition to the fact that we need training, that we ourselves need to grow spiritually, we need protection. Number four, we need to experience the love of Christ through others. We need to experience the living out of the Christian life in truth, surrounded by Love in words and in actions because love is what causes us to grow. We talk often here at the church that we are about leading people into a growing relationship with God and others, that we believe life change takes place best in community and you get involved with other Christians. What I want us to understand is that when we're involved with other Christians, we can experience a love from God that you will not get if you're just alone with him someplace. You'll still experience God's love when you're alone with him, sure. And as you're reading his word, but there's something that happens when God's people are together. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.15, which we read a minute ago, he said, speaking the truth in love, let's grow in every way into him who's the head, Christ speaking the truth in love. There's a better or at least more literal way though to translate that verse. The more literal way is truthing it in love. It's a reference to being part of a community where the truth is taught and where the truth is lived out in love. Then we all grow. That's a context in which we grow spiritually. So Dr. Honer put it this way. Paul stated positively that by speaking the truth in love, literally truthing in love, which has the idea of maintaining truth in love in both speech and life, believers may grow up into him with reference to all things. I think that we experience, though, the love of Christ in a different way when we're together. And I say that because of what Paul wrote right before the section we're looking at here today. In the previous chapter, listen to what Paul had to say about love and about discovering the fullness of God in the context of love. He was praying for the believers in Ephesus. He said, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend, and here's the phrase, with all the saints, with all the rest of the believers, that you may be able to apprehend and comprehend along with all the other believers what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the goal. Wouldn't we in our Christian lives want to experience the fullness of God in every way? How did Paul say it happens? When we're together with the body of Christ and we experience together the breadth, length, height, and width of his love together. Now again, we can experience his love when we're alone, but something happens when we're properly connected with other believers and if I can put it this way, God shows up. I mean, he's always here. But sometimes God moves in our midst and as we're worshiping together and our hearts are touched in special ways and together we're experiencing something that the Christ is doing and I think this is important for our spiritual development. But let me give you one final reason why we need the church and the church needs us just based on this one section and that is that we need to help others grow spiritually. We need to help others. It's something we need to do. We need to be helping other people. So in addition to the fact we need training and, and we need others to help us grow and we need some protection, and together we need to experience God's love so that we'll experience God himself, in addition to all that, we need to help others grow spiritually. We have a responsibility the moment you put your faith in Christ, you're placed into the family of God and you're given a spiritual gift or ability that God says you're supposed to steward well by using it to help build up other people. Now, I love the fact that in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul likens the church to a body. That's a brilliant word picture because it's like this is the church, a body. It's one body but it has many different parts and, and all the parts are so important. And so you got hands and feet and, and eyes and a nose and whatever else and all the parts are important. In verse 12 of First Corinthians 12, Paul wrote for as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body though many are one body, so is Christ, so is the church. Skipping to verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, Where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. God is the one who places you as a particular part within the body of Christ, a particular role. Skipping to verse 20, now there are many parts, yet one body, so the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Now I want to suggest that the effectiveness of the entire body the entire church is contingent upon people taking responsibility their responsibility to make a contribution of some sort with Christ in the midst leading it all. And so going back to our main passage Ephesians 4:16 from him Jesus the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament provides the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Body works really well when all the parts are operating properly. You know, a few years ago, my appendix appendix decided to die, turned gangrene. Well, it's a part that wasn't working properly anymore, so it had to be removed, but I want all the parts of my body. You know, I think of my body, there's not one part that I, I don't, I would suffer if any part of, I mean, I got rid of my tonsils already. I, I think they don't even know what tonsils do. So I did get rid of the two parts of the body that maybe I didn't need, okay? I realize I have, like, four fingers on each hand. The thumb, technically, is not a finger, they say. And so there are four of them, and so you might think, well, I, I can get by with, with uh, three. No, I don't want to lose one. I, I want that pinky, you know, and I'm trying to go like this. I need a pinky. Every part is important. And, and we tend to think of church, and this is, I think, really, honestly, it's a, I think it's a selfish way to view it, if I can be frank. We tend to view church only in terms of what we get out of it, the contribution it makes to us. We do not think in terms of the fact that there's a contribution I'm supposed to be making that God wants me to be part of this because I can help in this way or I can help in that way. And when we choose not to be properly connected, I'm just saying the entire body gets weaker as a result. I've often wondered what would happen if all of us, all of us, were hitting on all cylinders in terms of using our gifts to build up the body of Christ. What could we accomplish if we were doing that? And there are opportunities. I mean, this morning you heard of an opportunity with the children's ministry. You know? You can go online to the Ridge.church/serve. There are, we, we need people. And that's not the main reason, though. Christ puts you in the church to serve. He's the one that puts you there, and this is an expectation he has. So let me summarize and then close with some questions. I started by saying we need the church, the church needs us. And I'm convinced it's true. I think we'll be more effective in ministry if if we avail ourselves to training, even just growing in our knowledge of scripture will help us be more effective in ministry. We need others to help us grow spiritually. You are not intended to grow in a vacuum. You need the rest of the body of Christ. We need the protection the church provides. We need to understand God's love better, which takes place in relationship and community, and then we need to help others grow spiritually. To put it simply, we need training, growth, protection, love, and service. Those are the five things. We need training, we need growth, we need protection, we need love, and we need service. So let me close with a few questions by way of application. One, do you recognize how important the church is? I'm hoping as a result of this talk that you say, you know, it's maybe more important Than I thought it was, you know. Jesus says it's pretty important. Number two, do you value the church as something Christ has given you? Do you view it as this is a gift that He's given to us? Third, are you willing to be more connected, more involved, so that you can make a difference? You can do it through serving, or through a community group, or supporting in other ways. And then finally, are you willing to use your gifts and abilities and talents? to serve within the body of Christ, really success on a particular Sunday weekend should be more defined not by how good the service was, but on the difference you made in someone else's life. What if we came here with that perspective in mind? Instead of saying, well, it was, music was this or whatever else, if we said, you know, success to me is gonna be that I encouraged this person, I made a difference here, I served in this way. Let's pray. Father, we wanna thank you that you've not left us alone. In our spiritual journey, you've given us a, a family. And I know in my own life, it has made a huge difference. And so I tell you, Lord, I'm grateful. But I pray, Lord, that you give us a heart that sees the church as you do. Not, not this church, but church. Your called out ones. Help us see that we can really make a difference in the lives of other people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.